Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-A-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? You know what? That one works. Blake, have you ever been in a movie with Will Smith? I prefer not to be slapped silly as I'm already silly enough. Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech director out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, just a guy trying to uh, find Toby's pickles, and I'm here with my boss, a man who orders pickles to feed him to me, Toby Walters. I didn't know where this was going when you said you were trying to find my pickles. That was my intention. It's as AJ from Amplio says, always eat your boss's pickles. We established this at Philo. I hate pickles. And I love them. And I keep, like, my favorite chicken place, every time I say no pickles, and every time they still put them on. Well, I've called all the chicken places in town and told them to put the pickles on there for me. Uh, I see what's happening. This is how good duos are made. One always hates pickles. So I feel such, you know, disrespect from this chicken place knowing that I did, in fact, star in a movie with Will Smith. Mm, yes. And it's 100% true. So <laughs> I know you're you're looking at me I'm laughing. I'm shaking my head because you got to get some context now. I, I don't want context because I think just saying I was in a movie with Will Smith is like, that's mic drop right there. I think our buddy Marcus at MXU loves your definition of a movie. (sighs) He's shot now two feature films. Okay, so we did a movie, but I mean, let's call it what it is. We did a video shoot with our buddies at MXU, and we needed a church to essentially host us for this video because we wanted to do kind of a, a walkthrough of a church showing all their gear closets and back rooms where they store all their old... Um, unused audio video lighting gear anymore. And so we actually met a amazing human being. I love this guy. He's like seven feet tall. <laughs> seven feet tall. He looks he 30 had, and he's 50. Yeah. Um, we met him at the Amplio party in town and he's a worship pastor at a church here in the Nashville area. And his name, and I, I swear he looks a lot like Will, Will Smith. Smith. He is tall and muscular and just a beautiful man. And his name is Will Smith and has the personality to go with it. And so- But not the temper. Not the temper. He did not, in fact, slap any of us while we filmed this. And we gave him an open invitation to slap Toby and me jump in front of him and he didn't do it. Well, I wanted to do a fundraiser where we get the entire tech community to start putting money towards like a good cause, like missions or something like this, to if we got up to a certain point that Will Smith would slap Lee Fields. I don't know how Lee feels about that. I didn't care how Lee felt about it. I felt like the community would love to see Lee slapped. Toby just loves to have our partners be slapped. Yeah. So we did this video shoot with Will Smith, and it's available. And where do they go to find it? Oh, Is gosh. it on I, MXU's website? It's on a landing page. I'll put it in the show notes. Great. Um, I mean, I've seen it on uh, Facebook and Instagram as well being promoted. Um, you don't only see us looking through all these church closets. Uh, it's Lee, Jeff, and Toby, but you also get to see some Smasher Cash where they destroy well, I was, Yeah, gear. I was going to get to that. Oh, okay. Um, so we do the walkthrough at his church, and his church is fascinating in that there's almost like a division of time. It's like, and you just recently saw Back to the Future. Oh, all three, and they were all amazing. Honestly, probably the best movies to hold up from the hype from being nostalgia-filled. I'm. This is one of these moments I'm not completely ashamed of you. There we go. Because Back to the eventually. Future series is awesome. So at his church, they have a new modern worship center, probably seats... Oh, 1,500 people. It's so modern. The door in the back, you have to put your thumbprint on it to open it. Yeah, it was crazy. Like it was something out of Star Trek. Not Star Trek. It was, um, oh gosh, Will Smith, uh, not Back to the Future. Use your words. Oh my gosh. Come on, help me. It's the alien movie. Are you, do you know it and you're just letting me fumble? <gasps> oh, uh, Independence Day? Men in Black. Men, Men in, in Black. Black. And we even said it on the video. Jeff said it on the video. Yeah. And now, because <laughs> it was such a good joke. So they have this new modern worship center, and then he takes us down the hall through this door into 1983. I swear we went back 
like almost 40 years. And they have their old worship center. And it's got all the old technology. It's still fully set up and they still use it for certain things. And then we walked up this crazy back staircase. It was like they brought together um, every decade they got a new construction company to like modify. It's like a Baptist church. They you, really did. If you grow up in a Baptist church, there's, you know, each decade is represented by the addition that they put onto the church. And we go back and there's a full recording studio with like isolation booth and the sound glass and everything. Espresso machine. And so if you haven't seen this video, it's super fun to see, you know, walking back in time. And then we also did a thing called Smasher Cash. And mm. it was inspired by the scene from The Office where, I'm sorry, not Office, Office Space. And Same have, thing. Have you seen Office Space, Blake? I have because in middle school, the football coaches didn't actually teach economics and government. They just put on movies and you'll oh, watch them. Man. That sounds amazing. It's the Tennessee that's education my kind of, for you that's right my kind there. of jam. So in Office Space, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it because it's hilarious. It's kind of one of those cult classics. But they take the printer and fax machine, which everybody in the office despises because it never works, and they take it out to a field and destroy it with, like, baseball bats. And so we thought, well, let's recreate this scene and let's give, what, a sledgehammer, sledgehammer and a crowbar. And a crowbar. To the MXU guys. And I, I do want to issue a public apology to them that I underestimated how strong music gear is. I thought a sledgehammer and a crowbar would rip it to pieces. This gear holds up shockingly well. We even picked up like concrete flagstones. Oh, yes. And we're dropping it. And I just have to say one of the two. So Jeff and Lee from MXU are destroying this gear. One of the two looked like he knew what he was doing. And did really well at it. And the other one, not so much. Well, he had the crowbar, the one who, you know, kind of flundered a little bit. Yeah, so I... That's kind of on me. But. I mean, I said to you at that day, like, let's have one of these guys on the podcast, but get the one that looks like he knows what he's doing, destroying gear. So let's bring on the co-founder of MXU, mixing master, and amazing brick thrower, Jeff Sandstrom. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, guys. I think it was... I don't, I don't remember if it was a full cinder block or just a piece of one, but it was... It was pretty uh, substantial. I, I was able to do some damage to that console. It was fun. And it was like when Jeff took the sledgehammer and dropped it on the Mackie board and all the parts went flying and they did the slow motion shot. You see all these pieces flying everywhere. And then Lee takes the crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great juxtaposition. And it makes like a tiny little ding. Again, Lee, I if you're hearing this, I do apologize that I didn't. That crowbar was not enough. That was not enough. Well. I was just trying to give that Mackie some flying fader automation, I think, because <laughs> it was... Uh, well the, played. Yeah, those, fa those fader caps were all over the place. It was fun. That was great. So, Jeff, we're going to bring you in with five truths and a lie, and I got to say, this looks challenging. I'm okay. A, I'm a little intimidated. So what, what odds do you give us at guessing your lie correctly? One and five. Uh, One did and I six. send you five? Did I send you five things or six total? Six, uh, five, six, because it's, it's five truths. Okay, so um, there are several things that are true about me that are quite unusual. So I give you a. Uh, I'm going to say less than thirty percent that you'll get it right. Mm. Okay. Well, okay. here we go. <clears throat> Number one won several Dove Awards for producing music for kids. Hmm. Seems very plausible. It does. Number two, performed a one-man music and magic show at various Six Flag theme parks during college. Okay. Number three, crashed a party at the University of Michigan's president's house in order to meet Leonard Bernstein after a concert. Who's Leonard Bernstein, Blake? I swear, if you sung a couple of his songs, I would know. I would know. That sounds uh, so familiar. I know Bernstein is a name that I recognize. He is one of the great composers of... And, uh, yeah, composer he, or yeah. conductor. Yeah, do you know who Leonard Bernstein composer is? And he's a composer and conductor, yeah. Yeah, but I can't really, like, sing you a Leonard Bernstein song. Conductor, so he goes, he drives the train? Okay. <laughs> sure. Number four, <laughs> I'm the only left-handed person in my entire extended family. Number five, once mixed monitors for Robbie Thick, Robin Thick. <laughs> Who's Robin Thick? Man, Robin B. Thick. Number six. You don't know, dude. Drove cross-country. <laughs> I hate you. Number six. Drove cross-country pulling an Airstream trailer. I do not have a sense on this one. Mm. I I really think any of these could be true. I know. Um, 
I think it's going to be the easy one. Like he's probably mixed monitors for a ton of people. So I bet the lie is Robin Thicke and he's just swapping out. He was like, who have I not mixed for and put them in there? Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's the question always, is he taking a truth and then kind of flipping it around on us? Right. Where, which is what I always assume. Or is he do. just making up something wildly outlandish, which none of these feel like wildly outlandish. Um, the Six Flags one doesn't seem wildly outlandish to you? A one-man music and magic show? The talent this guy holds in one, you know, a single finger? I know. I believe he could do it. I don't think he's the kind of guy that would want to do that. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna just call it because we could go round and round forever. Like, who's Robin Thicke, you know? So, I'm going to say that he did not win several Dev Awards for producing music for kids. How dare you? I know. Right. It just Maybe seems too teens. obvious. All right, Jeff, we've locked in our... Oh, he's. He, I see him looking around. He's about to pull a Dove Award out, isn't he? <laughs> well, if I could get to it on my shelf without dismantling my headphones and microphone, I would. But I have actually won Dove Awards. And there's actually one sitting behind me on the shelf, if you can see it. I see an uh, original Mac computer from like an original 1980. Macintosh back there. And there is... Oh, there it oh, is. I see it. A Dove Award. Dude. So you're wrong. It's not the Dove Awards. And it's fascinating because Blake has actually won several dumb awards. Yes. I actually, <laughs> I've held a Dove Award. Uh, my old creative director at the agency, smartest man I ever met, he uh, he had one um, for designing the cover of a CD cover. So then what was your lie? I have never done anything in or with an Airstream trailer. Dang it. That was like the most boring one, too. Well, it's also, though, like non-related non to his skills. So, of course, we should have said that. I think this is him just flexing, being like, all these things that are crazy and awesome, yeah, I did all those. The boring one, nah. No. It was literally like, what's the most mundane thing I could come up with that would still sound like an adventure yeah. that they might not, that, that might seem like, oh, everybody would have done that. So, surely Jeff had done that. Uh, can you explain to Blake who Robin Thicke is? Well, Robin Thicke is a, or was, I guess. I mean, is he still a music artist? I guess, I I don't know. Wasn't he? he was, I thought you were announcing his passing just then. <laughs> was he married no, no, to no. Britney Spears at one point, or what? were they together? Uh, wasn't everyone. I yeah. Mean, let's be honest. <laughs> he, yeah. Um, I definitely was. But he he is the son of Alan Thicke. <laughs> he doesn't who know was. who Alan Thicke is. I know. I'm saying. <laughs> Hush. I know Blake, who Britney Spears listen, is. Listen, the things that Blake has revealed so far about how young he is, is astonishing to me mm -hmm. because he didn't know many Will Smith movies, first of all, <laughs> but <laughs> I do love but, Will Smith movies though. Yeah, I know you do. Um, don't we all, but Robin Thicke is the son of Alan Thicke, who was an eighties TV icon. Um, but he was also a music artist, is a music artist. And I was asked to mix monitors for him at a show at the Fox Theater in Atlanta. They came through and they needed a monitor engineer at the last minute. I guess their guy was sick or not available or whatever. And it was a very interesting experience, I would say. he I forget the name of his biggest hit, but this was, I don't know, 2012 or 13, maybe 14 when he was kind of at his height of popularity. And it was a very interesting show. The, the band was great and he was, he was nice enough, but the, the backstage behavior and the uh, shenanigans that were going on both pre and post show were something that you don't normally see on a Chris Tomlin tour. Let's just say that. <laughs> and so it was, uh, it was interesting. But yeah, that was my one, that was my one. And he had like, Robin had one or two like mega pop hits 10 years mega ago. Mega pop hits. Yeah, yeah. You, you probably heard him on the radio when you were a, a, just a little lad, like a wee lad. So tell us about crashing that party at the University of Michigan's uh, president's house. Uh, was it cool yeah, meeting so, Leonard Bernstein? So I was a music major at the University of Michigan and Leonard Bernstein came to Ann Arbor with the Vienna Philharmonic to do a concert. And I was at the concert with some friends of mine and I don't even remember how we found out. 
I think one of our other friends worked in the the box office for the auditorium and she was studying like music business and promotions and things like that. So she, I think was in the know that there was going to be a party at the university president's house where they were going to host Maestro Bernstein. And uh, so we decided just to go knock on the door. And so we did. And Lenny, as he was affectionately known by his friends, heard us at the door and we said, hey, we're students at the School of Music, really love the concert tonight. We were just hoping to meet the maestro. And from the living room, we hear, oh, please come in. And it's him. And so we go in and shake his hand. And I mean, it was amazing because he, Blake, I know you don't know him or maybe much about classical music, but he is a legend of the 20th century, both as a composer and a conductor. Um, he conducted the, you know, New York Philharmonic for years and other major orchestras in the world. He's a famous, famous composer, wrote the music for West Side Story. Um, oh, I know what day. that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just, um, it was an honor to, to get to meet him. He was, he was, I think, probably in his 80s at the time. Um, maybe he was approaching 80. Uh, but when he died, he was, gosh, almost 100. So legendary, legendary conductor, composer, musician. And Jeff, do you know that there there is a movie of his life coming out? I did not know that. So Bradley Cooper is, you know, wrote and directed it, and he is playing Leonard Bernstein um, for like... 40 years of his life or something, maybe even longer. I wonder, I wonder if they're going to feature the scene of me crashing the party at the <laughs> University of Michigan president's house. I did hear a rumor, and I think Blake is actually playing you. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing your standard, you know, uh, dark blue button-up that you have on right now. Yep. It's, it's, it's going to work. Um, Excellent. Tell us about the Dove Awards for a second. What was your favorite that you won? How long ago was that? Well, so in the early 2000s, like 2000 to 2000. 11 or 12, I produced a series of albums for integrity music called Shout Praises Kids. And it was a line of worship albums for kids um, that was basically a series. I mean, we did at least 10 of them and um, was nominated several times and won a couple times for Children's Album of the Year. And then also in that time worked with several other people um, producing and recording and mixing the music for several children's musicals, you know, back in the day, Blake, when churches had children's choirs, you know, like first Baptist middle of nowhere would have a choir for their adults and would have a kid's choir and then a youth choir probably too. Um, music publishers at the time would create all these musicals for kids to do at Christmas time and other times. And so I produced several of those and one of those won a double award as well for children's musical of the year. So Nothing big like, you know, any of Chris Tomlin's records, but... No, that's still really right. cool. I was in a children's choir, if you can believe it, in preschool, and they said me and this other girl were the two strongest singers. They pulled us to the front. That's how bad the rest of that squad was. <laughs> and did you win a Dove Award for that? <laughs> I didn't. They said, you're a little angel, and patted me on the head. And what's your... Did you get a solo? I did not. I, mm. I, I, I wouldn't do good on a solo. So here's my thing. This will sh I've never told anyone this, uh, Church Gear. I can match perfectly. So if like I'm in a choir, if, you, if someone is next to me, even if it's a female, I can copy their voice. So that was my like asset in choir is I can magnify the sound. Um, okay. I don't know if that's perfect You just pitch. have to hear it first. Yes, but like if I hear it, I can match you perfectly. So many questions come to mind right now. This is how I was able to smuggle my way into select choir to hang out with Jason and Jeremy in high school. Because I'm not a singer, but... So you can sing along. You're just a little late. Yes. Which makes sense. He's, yeah. I mean, his brain works in a... I also bribed that choir director, though, with donuts every Friday for the first <laughs> semester. Moving on. Uh, Jeff, we know you as, you know, this titan of industry, the cool dude from MXU, but, like, you haven't <laughs> always been this cool guy. You were a young dude, you know, slinging it at Six Flags at one point. So tell us about, like, your first gig. Like, how'd you actually get started in production... You know, peel us back some chapters to the beginning of Jeff Sandstrom. Okay, so after the college years, after the um, smuggling my way into the president's office to meet, or the president's house to meet Leonard Bernstein, and 
my years at Six Flags. Um, when I graduated college, I I had I had taken a couple of recording classes in college. University of Michigan had just built a big recording studio and had started a music technology program, really kind of around my junior coming into my senior year. So it was too late for me to change majors at the time, but so I was a performance major, uh, but took a couple of recording classes. And that's when I kind of, you know, got bit by the production bug. Um, I just loved the recording process and figuring out, you know, tape machines and consoles and that whole deal. So I moved to Atlanta uh, in the early 90s. Let me age myself to um, work in a recording studio there and spent years there. So my first years in production were in the studio side. And then around the time of the beginning of North Point Community Church in Atlanta, um, that's when I sort of really discovered what a live church production environment could be like. And it was at the time, super innovative. And really, I mean, up until that point, the, the model for anything like that was Willow Creek back in the day. And they were, they were doing amazing things, of course, but when North Point started, it just kind of, um, turned on my brain and my heart to another layer of engaging, potentially engaging with people and, you know, utilizing music and arts and production toward really influential and relevant ministry. So um, I started basically serving at North Point, um, still working at the studio, but North Point would bring me in. And basically my, my live mixing honestly was, hey, I know what I would do in the studio. Let me see if I can make this band on stage and this console replicate what I would do in the studio live. And so, um, I started, started doing that. And one thing led to another, you know, bigger events at North point and they would bring me in to mix for conferences and married adult events and other things. And turns out that at the time, most of the staff from passion was attending North point. And so I got connected with them and served on the passion production team for their conference first in 2005 and have been at every passion since. Uh, but over the years, you know, 2007 or so, they brought me in to mix um, at the conference. And that's how I met Chris Tomlin. And one thing led to another. And so kind of the the studio to live balance at the time was about 80% studio, 20% live. And then over time, it just kind of shifted to be the other way around. So um, occasionally, I'll still do some small studio stuff. But um, most of my career has been spent in the live production concert and event environment. Okay. So I know you've done more than Chris Tomlin, but I feel like, you know, that's kind of what you're known as is Tomlin's front of house guy. And yeah. I've never seen Tomlin in concert. And part of the reason is I used to go to Austin stone church where he was, oh, there you, go. you know, the founding worship guy. So I get to, you know, sit and worship where Chris is leading. Um, you know, we ask this a lot of guys who have mixed in church versus out on the road. And so, you know, kind of give some of the, you know, the greater differences between these guys mixing in church on a Sunday morning, mixing their worship band versus what you experience, you know, at a Tomlin show out in an arena or something like that. Yeah. So I think obviously the scale of everything is just more when you're in an arena. Um, but in terms of my approach, you know, I think mixing wise and, and musically, my approach is very similar. I want to, as best I can, I want to translate what the band is trying to communicate from the stage. And so I feel like I'm, I'm really, in Chris's case, he'd refer to me as the sixth member of the band because, you know, it, it didn't really matter what they did on stage if it wasn't translated well through the PA. And so... Um, you know, I think for anybody, I think that partnership between the booth and the stage is so important, um, for a mixer and, you know, anybody on the production team, whether you're running graphics for pro presenter or whether you're, um, lighting the stage or whether you're getting camera shots or mixing audio, 
I think having a clear vision from the people on stage and from senior leadership even of what the goal is for today. Like what's the journey that we're trying to take people on as the, as we try to encourage them to take a step in their faith. I think if we can partner on both ends of the snake on that vision, the more successful it's going to be. So, you know, from a technical standpoint, you know, I would try to approach things pretty similarly in terms of the musicality of my mix, the punchiness, the clarity of the mix, you know, trying to find um, a place for all the parts to live musically in the mix. So those things I think are very consistent from one environment to the next, um, whether it's a stadium or a small church. Um, but at the core of it has to be the vision piece and really seeing yourself as the mixer, not just as a technician, but as a musician, as even a worship leader, because, you know, for me standing behind the console, the console is my instrument. And I'm trying to, as best I can, facilitate what the band's trying to communicate and make that translation happen as clearly as possible. So I know that oftentimes, I mean, I I was a gear addict for a long time, which is why Church Gear even started, because I love yeah. gear. And so local church guys see, you know, you and Corey Edwards and all these great mix engineers on Facebooks and, and Instagram behind these amazing boards with DNB arrays. And they, you know, they might think to themselves, well, I can never recreate what they're doing because I don't have that kind of a system. I don't have that setup. And we just, and I know these episodes won't come out at the exact same time, but we just had a conversation with your buddy, Gene Kim. And yeah. he said he would love to do a full tour with an X32 just to prove he could do it. So we want to now throw the challenge back to you what's the least you could mix on for a Tomlin tour and still make it sound great? Well, I think, um, you know, to Gene's point, actually, when I, when I mix at my church, I'm standing behind an M32 every Sunday. You know, I, I don't mix every Sunday, but we have uh, a Behringer M32 at my church, and that's the tool that is available. So, Wouldn't that be a um, Midas M32? Well, sort of, except that Behringer <laughs> bought them all. So, so you're going to um, call it what it actually is. I'm going to call it what it actually is. There you go. Um, Listen, but, Toby, Jeff is a professional. <laughs> he is not like I us. was trying to catch him in a mistake, but you cannot yeah, catch Jeff. No, I know that's the name of his autobiography. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can catch me doing a lot of things. Let me just stop right there. Um, so, I think the limiting factor for me on a, like a Tomlin tour or a big conference or passion event would be the IO. And so I couldn't do a Tomlin show on an X32 because there are more than 32 inputs. But if I only had 32 inputs, let's say we were doing a, I don't know if his band was at a youth camp and we were stuck with whatever, then obviously we would have to bust certain things down to get things isolated to the proper number of channels. But, um, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to do a small tour on a, a small format console like that. Um, yeah, I'll, if Gene will let me mix Johnny Swim, then I'd be glad to try to do so on an X32. Okay, so... I'll throw, I'll throw it back at him. <laughs> so we're going to do some Would You Rather in this same vein. Uh, Jeff, We've would never you, played Would You Rather with a guest before. We haven't. So um, this is our first shot. And most Would You Rathers are crass. This is actually all professional. <laughs> I was going to say, is this, this going to feel like youth camp all of a sudden? <laughs> you know, guys, I just got back from a youth camp. Uh, I have seventh grade guys on Wednesday nights. The things they were saying at 2 a.m., it'd make Jesus' skin curl. It was, it was not good. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> I was like, I was doing that old guy thing where I was like, kids weren't this bad back in my day. <laughs> Youths. Yes, the youths. Okay, number one, would you mix? Would you rather mix on an X thirty two or mix with your hand broken, and it can be your non dominant <laughs> hand? Oh, that's funny. Um, you know we sell X thirty twos, Toby. I mean, <laughs> they're great boards. We'll see what Jeff says. Uh, how bad is the break? I mean, it's it's been <laughs> so you're not experiencing the pain, but like your hand's probably not working. You're one handed. I'm in a cast. Okay. Yep. Um, I'll take the cast. 
Sorry, Behringer. Dear Lord. Good I thing Behringer's not a sponsor on this show. If it ever becomes so... I, I can't believe this. Okay. Uh, number two. Would you rather mix on a Mackie 16-channel board or blindfolded? I don't wow. even know that he could blindfold it unless you're just really... You if know, he knows the board, like, I guess it's kind of like Braille because you can feel the channels. Not if it's a touchscreen. And, well, and let me give problem, you this. Let me give you this caveat. You can the, set it up. Okay. Like you can set it up without okay. your blindfold. No. Okay. Well, come on, think, give him a shot. I think the problem with digital consoles is that it'd be very hard to do blindfolded because you wouldn't necessarily be able to know which layer you're on of faders if it's a multi-layered layout. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think blindfolded. I don't know if those. I don't know if those are uh, fair comparison. How about a sixteen? How about a sixteen oh four blindfolded? Okay. Okay. Do both. Do both. There, because you can feel your way around a sixteen oh four. Feel your way around a sixteen. Oh yeah. Look, you can feel free to take this content idea. You know, y'all's new y'all's new facility <laughs> in Knoxville. You and Lee, you know, do one do one handed, <laughs> one do a show blindfolded. See how it works. That'd be a great video. That'd be fun. All right, next one. Would you rather mix with all your speakers wired out of phase or ear plug-ins? No. Or ear plugs in. <laughs> ear oh plugins. my gosh. <laughs> I hate myself. Or ear plugs in. I'll take the earplugs because I don't want I don't want the PA to be out of phase. That'll affect the audience's experience. If I'm if I'm wearing earplugs, I'm assuming I can at least hear something. Well, and you so, could assume your own skill, yeah, rather than them having an yeah. automatic loss. Yeah, I would not want them to. I, I would not want there to be a just an obvious technical flaw. There's no way if the if the entire PA is wired out of phase that you're really hamstrung at that point. We should have made one of these both hands broken. He's just using his nose. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I had to use my nose to put my social security number in my phone the other day. It was very difficult. <laughs> Where were your hands? I, they were wet from washing my glasses. So don't go there, Toby. All right, number five. Would you rather mix with Corey Edwards judging you behind your back or Lee Fields judging you behind your back? Well, I've done both. Uh, on this recent Tomlin Hillsong run, I was called in to mix for Chris for a few days because uh, his current front of house guy got COVID. Oh no. And so I had gone to see Lee um at a show and basically was got there the night before so we could hang out. Woke up the next morning to a flurry of texts from Tomlin's production manager saying, Hey, I know you're gonna be in town today. Would you mind filling in tonight? And what are you doing for the next three days? <laughs> and so I ended up mixing Chris that night, standing beside Lee, and Corey came to the show. So they were both looking over my shoulder while I was trying to mix off someone else's show file. Ooh. in the concert and so it was it was uh interesting so if you could have gotten rid of one of their judgmental glances who would it be oh that's a good that's a good question um they're both extremely helpful in their comments and generous um lee and i have mixed four and in front of each other a lot so i think i'm probably more um used to that um but I think Corey would say that Lee and I were both kind of mentors of his when he was coming up. So I'm comfortable with him too. But I think Corey, man, that's a tough one. I think Corey would probably call me out on more specific things. So it might be a little more difficult with Corey. But I respect him and I appreciate his feedback. So I'd take it. So he would get rid of Lee then. Man, Jeff, I really appreciate how much you thought about that. <laughs> this turned into he would get rid of Lee. I like that. I, I know. I'm. Oh, my gosh. Me and Lee talk on Instagram all the time, guys. All right. One thing One thing you'll realize about me is that I'm a, a, a very diplomatic person. So it's hard for me to throw anybody under the bus, especially if I like them. And so um, now for people I don't like, I mean, it's all fair game. But Perfect. That's a, that's a different conversation. Uh, before we hit our last one, question: When you like hung Willie out, like Willie Berenger, for example, I would throw. <laughs> that's why I threw X thirty two under the bus. Maybe maybe the next time we're doing Smasher Cash, we can literally have Jeff throw one under a bus that we like drive mm. over it. Yeah, <laughs> that oh, would be, be good. A, we can make a gif out of that. Um, before That'll be we worth a tour bus rental. <laughs> yes. Well, we just bought a sixteen foot van box truck. So, which is it, Blake? A van or a box truck? 
You know it what? It can't be both. Look, I'm trying to ask another personal question before uh, we do our last one. Uh, that the night that you got in early with Lee, were you guys eating steaks? I know that's y'all's thing. Did y'all find a good steakhouse? We did. Look at that. All right, <laughs> last one. Uh, would you rather teach Toby to mix your show or Blake? I'd like to give a caveat. If we're allotting time for him to teach us, I think he should get twice as much time to teach me as he does you. How about he gets 10 times as much time to teach you than he's, he does me? If you put it at that, he should pick me. <laughs> All right, Jeff, who are you picking to, to mix your show? Who are you handing this Tomlin show off to? Okay. I Dear would, Lord. No offense, no offense, Blake, but I would say Toby. Yes. That is the right answer. <laughs> the reason is because I believe everyone who mixes has a much better shot of getting there faster if they're a musician first. And so I think a little bit of musical knowledge, especially with Chris's show, because so much of it is feel, because there's a lot of dynamic range and there's a lot of like really huge moments and a lot of really tender moments. And so I think somebody with a, a musical sensibility with maybe some worship leader experience would handle that better. That makes sense. Some some young kid who doesn't know anything about some youth. Yeah, he's only ever been matching pitch and choir. No, our our newest tire. Right. Never heard of Robin Thick. Yeah. <laughs> our our new hire, Dave Rodiger, he actually said that same thing. He had been playing music and then he went to the board and that really helped him a lot. So mm-hmm. I know that. That that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, that was our first would you rather segment. Okay. So speaking of challenging mixes, Blake. Yes. Uh, do you have a tour that stands out in your mind? What it was the most challenging tour you've ever had to front of house for? Um, let's see. In terms of tours, a lot of it, a lot of the challenges come with challenging venues. And so there was one year on Tomlin where we were, I don't know, to say beating a dead horse might be an insult to deceased thoroughbreds throughout <laughs> history. So um, there was one run of the And If Our God Is For Us album where we were doing basically the fourth or fifth time around kind of nursing this album and its hits. So we were in this like D market. It was a solid like D market arena run where most of the venues had War Memorial in their name. And so anytime you're in a really old auditorium like that, you know, the, the power could be iffy, the surely the dressing rooms and shower situation is pretty sketch load in is always a bear. So those were the days that, and, and the, and the acoustics of the rooms themselves are really subpar generally. And so like one of the ones, for example, was the room where the famous phrase Elvis has left the building was uttered, you know, because we know where that's, we know where that's at. That was at your place that you were mixing in the story. Yeah. Blake, who's Elvis? I know Elvis. (laughs) My dad might worship Elvis more than he worships Jesus. I just, my dad has seen that movie three times. He's going for a fourth. I went for the first time with him and Austin Butler next Brad Pitt, but that's amazing. I didn't know we knew that. That's cool. Yeah. So, Basically, the, the idea was people were screaming so much then, you know, wanting Elvis to do a fourth encore or whatever it was. And so finally, the promoter had to come out and say, Elvis has left the building. Well, basically, being in that building nowadays, we know why Elvis left and never came back because <laughs> it's you nasty. should never walk in. You should just leave. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, places like that, um, the acoustics are bad. The It's just not modernized very well. And so it's really hard to get a modern line array PA and all of its potential to really speak like it should. Um, And then when you throw in all the other stuff like dirty floors and bad bathrooms and no showers and all that, it just, it becomes a pretty tedious day. So that run, you talked about the worst tour that run seemed to have, that situation day after day after day. And then we'd go into a really good arena and it was like, oh, thank God, they remember who Chris Tomlin is. And then the next day was back to not so much. So, Okay, Jeff, uh, switching gears again, um, I've heard that you do a lot of like back-end training with churches, like through Summit Integrations that you'll go and you'll help yep. the church learn their system. Can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about like what that has looked like and you know how 
What can churches learn from your experience there? Yeah, so for me, one of the things that I have, let's see, let me rewind a little bit because when I, it was around 2015, 2016, I was really starting to consider how I would exit touring. I had been on the road for almost 10 years with Chris and it was time to just be a little more focused on what was going on at home and try to find a way to serve the church in a, in a broader way. And so, um, as we were traveling around to various events and churches and conferences, you know, I would see this consistent problem of, you know, I alluded to it earlier, this gap between the booth and the stage, but then also just, um, as people were trying to upgrade their systems or get better gear, um, maybe get a new console, there seemed to be a lack of availability of training for, for teams to get exactly what they needed. So, you know, that's part of why Lee and I started MXU uh, with Andrew was for us to continually have a, a, an avenue to get better, which turned into us trying to help other people and other church techs get better. Um, and so for me, um, I'm really energized by that. And I really love being able to do that in person with people. And so Summit has given me the opportunity to do some of that as well, kind of at the end stage of a project during commissioning to go in and basically coach uh, production teams on production in general, but, but specifically audio for sure, because that's my area of expertise, um, and just kind of help them not just understand operationally how their gear is supposed to work, but try to talk about some of those musical nuances and talk to the band about arrangement and talk to people about the parts that they're playing and intonation and things like that. You know, the musical side of things as well, but then also the relational side, you know, to talk to a tech director about how they're leading their team and how they maintain and retain volunteers and how they can actually be pastoral with their teams when they need to be. And those kind of things are really part of what I feel like God has called me to do. So I love when I get opportunities to do that. So did you feel like it wasn't so much, you know, you come in and here's how you turn it on, here's how you set up a show file. It was more like, you got that part? Now let's talk about, you know, the people side and the relationships and the grander vision. Yeah, it's it definitely has to be both. I mean, I it's funny because around that around that time when I was considering coming off the road, um, I, I really felt like the the hands and the heart are two sides of the same coin. So it's like, I wanted to help people get better at what they do, yes, but at the same time, get better at who they are. And so that could be as, a, as an employee or as a leader or as even as a volunteer. It's like, how can I, how can I work on the things relationally, emotionally, spiritually that need to happen in order for me to be the best version of this production volunteer or staff person or leader of team, whatever the case may be. Um, cause over and over again, in a lot of churches, I would see that, especially as churches raise the bar for production and everybody was trying to really be excellent at executing a service. I felt like sometimes church production teams were the most spiritually vulnerable people on campus because they were so focused on not missing a cue and getting through the run sheet and figuring out planning center and twisting knobs and pushing faders they didn't want to miss a cue, but they risked missing what God had for them in the process. And so how can we have both? How can we nurture teams in such a way that the technical skill is there to the point where they can actually look up from their equipment and have a sense of what's happening in the flow of this arc of a story that we're trying to tell and maybe be impacted by it themselves rather than just focusing on not missing the next slide in ProPresenter, how can I actually engage with what's what I'm helping to create on the stage? So Blake's best friend is a worship leader. And Blake, you often feel like you are Jeremy's production director, right? Oh, yes. I go to their church every Sunday and I call all the cues. <laughs> Um, what have you learned? I mean, obviously you started in church, but you know, so many years with Tomlin, as far as 
you know, how have you learned to like read what he's trying to accomplish on stage and then serve that to where you are at front of house? How do you, you know, follow yeah. and that's a good and question. Do that. So um, I'll give you an example of maybe something that I got wrong because I didn't understand. Cause I talked earlier about the importance of vision and knowing actually where the bullseye and the target is for the team on stage and trying to help facilitate that. So um, when I first started with Chris, I was struggling sometimes to get a consistent and really present sound out of his vocal mic because I didn't understand that the win for Chris is to get to the chorus of a song and back off the mic and let the audience take it. Well, when he would back off, I would think, he's got horrible mic technique. So I would try to do what I can to get more gain out of that mic, not realizing that he's, you know, when he's an inch away, it's fine. When he's a foot away, it's not fine. And that's just physics. So, um, once I understood that when he backs off, it's actually intentional. It's not just poor technique. And he's actually wanting the audience to respond. Then my goal was, okay, what's the band doing musically that's a hook that the audience can grab onto to be able to engage more, whether that's a piano part or a guitar lead or the drums or whatever the case may be. It's like, how can I partner with Chris in his desire to have the audience all in? So is there anything musically that I can do that could be more impactful so the audience would engage more? And Little things like that um, are the kinds of things that I would say would move the needle most in that conversation is, you know, just an understanding of kind of where we're headed. Like what's, what's the win for you? You know, so whether it's a volunteer worship leader or somebody who's, you know, at the level of Chris Tomlin or Stephen Curtis Chapman or whoever um, to understand from them what their, desired result, their, their highest outcome would be for this event and try to find ways to partner with them to make that happen. And so flip it around on the other side of the coin. You said that, you know, Tomlin and the band pretty much consider you the, was it the fifth member, sixth member? Um, how do you coach worship leaders and worship bands to say, hey, your tech team is part of your band and draw them into what you guys are doing rather than just another different ministry that does what they do and you do what you do? Yeah, that's really a good question. Um, you know, I think, I think it has to start with relationship and it has to start with trust. And the only way to build trust is through personal connection. So there has to be a time outside of the heat of the moment of a rehearsal or a service where we can connect relationally so that leadership can communicate those values. Because I think, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, it's very difficult because there's a lot to execute. We have a lot of tasks. We have a, a run sheet to get through. We have a lot of cues, all those things. And volunteers who really are kind of a bit timid and unsure of what they're doing. So their confidence is probably a little bit diminished anyway. And so it's not the best time to come in with, you know, whatever. I mean, the moment needs to be what it is in terms of the, the execution part. So I would say to a worship team, um, first of all, I would encourage you if, if you don't believe that that vision should be what you do, you're wrong. And so you need to check yourself and kind of figure out where you and the Lord stand on that. But once you get to the point where it's like, okay, this is one team. We're all worship leaders. In fact, these folks on the production team are helping to prepare a place for people to experience what God has for them. Just as much as the chords that come out of my guitar and the notes that come out of my voice, we're all doing this together. So once we've agreed on that, then there has to be a time offline. Maybe it's a team night. Maybe it's a I mean, this, this coming fall is probably a great opportunity to have a kickoff for a new season of ministry where we get everybody together in the same room and cast this very vision that says, okay, we're all one team that's tasked with 
encouraging people to take a step in their faith. So how can we better partner in that? And how can we cooperate rather than compete? You know, there's nothing worse than a tech person who builds sort of a sandbox around their skill and says, nobody else is allowed to play because this is my area. In the same way, there's nothing worse than a worship team who says, you know what, it's okay for me to show up whenever I want because, you know, stuff's not really ready when I get here anyway. So I'll just plug in when I want and noodle all through rehearsal because they don't really need, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. Let's have a system and a strategy for how we make sound checks efficient, how we get to rehearsal and run through faster so that we can actually work on music, um, how we can partner with setting up the gear and prep so that we're, you know, ready for the band when they walk on stage from the tech side, but then the band is actually willing to show up on time and be efficient with their rehearsal, make sure their instrument is maintained, make sure they have new strings, make sure they know how to play in tune and in time, make sure they're really working on their craft so that the stage in a rehearsal doesn't become their personal practice room. They're actually there to execute what's best for a Sunday environment. Um, I mean, there's so much we could talk about, but that's a couple things. I hope that's helpful. Yeah, I think there's you know such a disconnect, and it's a human nature, but the the worship leader thinks, oh, the tech guy doesn't understand what I'm trying to do. And the tech guy thinks worship leader doesn't understand what I'm trying to do. And just to remember that, yes, you're all part of the singular vision to help people connect with God through this worship service. So I, yeah. yeah, all of that that you're saying, I think back and cringe to some of the things I, some of the antics I did during soundcheck as a worship leader that I'm sure the tech guy was like, Oh goodness. It's kind of like, you know, Blake, every time you and I do things together and I'm thinking, Blake, level up with your maturity. Come on, dude. Well, I'm just, you know, doing it to keep you on your toes, keep you sharp. Obviously. You know, silliness sharpens iron. So uh, Jeff, you and I were, you know, making fun of Blake's lack of knowledge earlier. And so we're going to try out a brand new segment. Two new segments on one show. I know. Oh gosh. Which is name, okay. name that song. So I'm going to, and I'm going to read, I'm hoping I don't have to sing it, but if you guys eventually get to the point where you're like, you got to sing these, otherwise we can't get them. I'm going to read like a line or two, a famous line or two from a song and then see who between you and Blake can guess it first. Oh, palms are sweaty. Knees weak. Mom's <laughs> spaghetti. He's nervous. So let's do it. That sounds like fun. Okay, so here's the rules. I'm going to read the lines of the lyric. Um, you can shout it out as soon as you know it, but you get one point for the name of the song and one point for the artist. I'll never get the artist. So if you can... Um, but whoever says it first... Well, if if you say the name of the song first but don't know the artist, Blake, and then Jeff gets the artist, you each get a point. Makes sense. So we're going to... Um, I guess I better keep score here. So I don't, I mean, do I even need a spot for your name, Blake? Are you going to get any points? You know what? Just for, for luck's sake, let's put it on there. Okay. So I, I try to make this as, you know, famous as possible. You know what would have been good is if we had, like, organized this to where I knew them all, just so I could, you know, beat Jeff. That would have been fun. <laughs> fun for me. But nobody would believe it. <laughs> I, that's true. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start just reading these. And if you guys tell me, like, look, you got to sing them, I'll, I'll do my best. I okay. was I was a worship leader at one point. Toby, and I stop. have <laughs> stop I trying have, to get us to ask you to sing. I have met Chris Tomlin more than once, so it transfers. Okay, number one, say you don't need no diamond rings, and I'll be satisfied. Ain't saying she a gold digger? No. Yeah. Uh, See, I'm wondering if I have to sing these. Oh, no, that's Beatles. Yep. One point. What Can't song? Buy me love. You got it. Two points. Okay. Well, this is not starting well. Have you ever seen the Atlanta uh, Patriots Super Bowl? That's going to be how we go here. Okay. Number two, if everybody had an ocean across the USA, then everybody'd be surfing like California. Beach Boys. What's the song? Surfing USA. Yep. Four to oh nothing, boy. Blake. This is not going well. Okay. Number three, one man came in the name of love. In one the name man, of love. You too. Mm, what's the name of the song? Now, do we give it to Blake? Because that's half love. the name of the song. It's in the name. I'm going to give you a point. Yes. Jeff, I'll give you an extra point if you. There are two names of that song. Well, Jeff already got Pride. Pride. Got it. So, Blake, you do get two points. Okay, five to two. Do I get two, though? <laughs> two? I could die because happy. I got Pride and you two. Yeah, he got the band name. 
Oh, that's uh, he gets two. You only get one. Sorry, Blake. You're one point. That's a big correction. Sorry, yeah. it's six not to a, one. It's not a shutout. Five <laughs> to two to six to one. I mean, good lord. Okay, Tommy used to work on the docks. <sighs> yes, he did. Um, <laughs> I can hear this in my head. Tommy used to work on, on. the docks. Um, living on a prayer. Yep. Who is it? Van Halen. No. I'm just guessing <laughs> names. Bon Jovi. Picasso. There you go. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> all I wanted was to break your walls. All you ever did was wreck Taylor me. Swift. Nope. <sighs> yeah, you. You wreck me. <laughs> I was trying to give you one here, Blake. This has to be one. Miley Cyrus. Yes. Wrecking ball. <laughs> eat a zucchini. He gets the Miley Cyrus one. This is great. I have a great story about that. Okay. Uh, I see a little silhouette of a man. Bohemian Rhapsody Queen. Yes. Ah, oh, I saw that movie. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, can you do, do the, the fandango? fandango. Thunder, Thunder and lightning. Bolts and lightning. Very, very frightening me. Galileo. Now, how, well, well, let's pause for a okay. second. Blake, you said, I saw that movie. <laughs> yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody is a movie before it's a band now. <clears throat> Going on <False>. recency. <laughs> <laughs> Queens, A Night at the Opera is a legendary album that you need to know and love. What is wrong with you? So oh. many things, Jeff. And that is what Toby was hoping to prompt. <laughs> like that's, that's where we were going with this segment. Okay. Oh my gosh. A couple more. It's a great movie. Next. But she wears short skirts. I wear t-shirts. Taylor Swift. Um <laughs> Oh gosh. I don't know the that's a lot lot of albums back. You belong with you me. Be, oh, Jeff, oh, I hate man. you. Dang it. I had it. <laughs> this is amazing. This is so disappointing. Toby okay. gave me one and Jeff got it. Uh on the theme of this episode. Now, this is the story all about how my life got Will flipped, Smith. turned upside down. Fresh Will Prince Smith. Of Bel-Air. Okay, you each get a point. I can't make any ground because he always gets at least half. By the way, favorite Will Smith movie? Because when you were talking about Will Smith earlier, there's a lot of choices. I, I'd go either uh, Independence Day. That's probably my favorite. Or uh, Bad Boys 2 was fantastic. Man, I don't know. I mean... Who's Will Smith? Part of the book? problem is you have to go like you have to decide if you want like Independence Day Will Smith or comedy Will Smith. See, I would go comedy. Um, I'd probably go Hitch, that movie where mm. he is now now let me it's say this. This is like off I, I the love hip. That movie. This is off the hip. I bet I would probably have one or two, but that's that's gotta be top three. I love that movie. Oh, thank you, Jeff. That gives me life. Okay, a couple more. She's a good girl, loves her mama. Loves Jesus and America too. I went on record. I know this song. I just don't know any of the Tom Petty. Yep. Free Fallen. Yep. Okay. Um, it's like shooting puppies in it? a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> You've got that James Dean daydream. Taylor Swift. Um. Oh gosh, something out of style. Well, you said it. It's style. Oh, there we go. Blake, you are like surprisingly well, not too far behind. It's because you've Just given... because of Miley Cyrus yeah, and Taylor Swift. Well, I am a Tennessee boy. <laughs> okay, one more. Blake, okay. I'll give you... This one's for 10 points, Blake. If oh, you can okay. get it. Okay. Wow. So, let me pick a good one. Okay, here it is. Today was going to be the day, but they'll never throw it back to you. Oh, I know this one, too. I think we should all sing this one. Today, Today is going to be, be the, the day, day, but they'll never throw it back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you got to do. I don't believe in anybody. Oh, my gosh. Everyone has turned us off. I know. What was it? Do you know Jeff? Of course he knows. Yeah, I don't believe that anybody uh, feels the way I do about you now. What's the title, though? Who, who sings it? Uh oh. The problem for me is and mid '90s alternative all. music is uh, Wonderwall. Um, yep, there you go. But who sings it? 
It's uh, a re- you know like a reissue of the Beatles. You too. No, British rock band <laughs> that is very much like was the modern Oasis. day. Yes. Okay. In a landslide victory, of course, if it wasn't for Taylor Swift and Miley Cyrus. Yeah. I. I got. I only got my gimmies. I didn't get any that wasn't a gimme. I think you did better than I thought you would do. Well, thank honestly. You. And okay, we did this for the very first time at our company retreat, and it was like late at night, and we were starting to get silly. And so we pitted Blake against Frank, our operations director, who's Frank's fifty. Oh, that's funny. And Blake did surprisingly well. Look, the later it gets, the better I get at these things. And it is before noon right now. And so. it's usually like, oh, living on a prayer. And I'm like, who sings that? He's like, I don't know. And I say Bon Jovi. And he's like, okay. And I say, have you ever heard of Bon Jovi? He's like, nope. Here's the thing. <laughs> he'll say, he'll say that was a really good movie. Yeah. <laughs> have I ever heard? You know what? That's going to be the one I, I promote to clown myself when we, we promote this episode. Um, I don't know them but like I've heard them you know what I mean like I haven't heard of them but I have heard them like all those great brand new songs from the Elvis movie oh my gosh okay Jeff do you have I'm trying to I'm trying to put a a bullet in my brain mercilessly here do you have anything you'd like to plug man we really appreciate you coming on man I would say um, for anybody who is not aware of the MXU live tour they should definitely buy their tickets um and come see us. We're going to be doing three events in Atlanta, Dallas, and Chicago um, from September 9th to the 16th. I think Atlanta's the 9th, um, Chicago is the 13th, and Dallas is the 16th. And um, it's a great way for you to bring your whole team to come and learn about just best practices and learn from experts about how to plan and execute a worship service. Um, and we're going to spend the whole day talking about audio, video, lighting, worship, leadership, all the things. And so go to getmxu.com slash live to find out more and get your tickets. And if you're not a subscriber to MXU, I would say that's a huge thing too. We would love to have you be a part of our product and our community. And um, we've got over 500 videos that can teach you all you need to know about all aspects of production. So if you're a church production leader, church production team member, um, MXU is really, we're designing it to be a resource that can be indispensable for you as you learn to not only level up your skill, but build your team and kind of build a community of people who want to serve well together. So again, getmxu.com is the way to find us all. So Jeff, I I toyed around with getting a subscription and learning behind the scenes, not telling anybody (laughs) at church gear, and then just like busting up with some knowledge. I think that's a great idea. If I got a subscription and watched every single video, do you think I could mix... 500 videos. No. Do you think I could mix a, a service if I watched every single video? I think if you had... If you had a way to practice, yes. Like if you had a console mm-hmm. and a little pair of speakers and some tracks and you followed along with our videos, you could definitely learn how to mix. Because I was afraid people would not like me as a host because I'm so dumb on audio, but Toby seems to think people like it. So that's why I haven't No, they don't like you yet. for many other reasons than that. <laughs> it was a great movie. And can MXU teach Blake pop culture? Oh, that's a definitely tough not. So, uh, and just to touch on those events, uh, if you you know struggling to afford to come to those events, uh, bring some gear to that event. And Church Gear's buying up to four tickets a church. So if you got some gear in your closet, send us a list, and we might be able to help you out there. Yes, if you want to come to an MXU event, any of the three cities, we will have Church Gear a truck there. And if you arrange ahead of time where you bring the gear to the event and we buy it, you get a free ticket for every thousand dollars of gear that we buy from you. And uh, I love it. Our buddies at the Village Church in Dallas already reached out and said, "We need more tickets." What do we need to do? We're like sells more gear. So yeah, I would I would love to hear of for a whole team getting to come and that that they couldn't come otherwise. Not that I wish financial hardships on you, but I would love <laughs> to feel I would feel so good about my my job and my work if that helped a team out in that way. So I love it. All right, well Jeff, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you guys for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. And hey, congratulations on surviving Sunday. If you happen to make it through next Sunday as well, join us again for your weekly Tech Breather. Blake, uh, if I could post a video. Now, we don't film this podcast. We do not. But if I 
took, is it called a selfie video? Yeah, selfie so video. If I took a selfie video, I would then recreate you trying to guess the names of these songs and only knowing Taylor Swift and Miley Cyrus. Well, it looked like I was, you know, rolling around on the ground, uh, possessed by a demon trying to rack my brain. So that'd be huff, tough to recreate as you're doing a selfie. And how embarrassing is it that pop culture stops at Taylor Swift and Miley Cyrus for you? You know, I just own it. And you know what you should own, dear listener? You should you should own a, a selfie video <laughs> of your favorite <laughs> moment of the show or tell someone why they would like it and post it on social, tag us in it, and you'll make my day. And then we both clap? Yeah. Well, you need to... You need to give me... Sorry, I don't know what I'm doing. All right. Okay. Are you a musician? No. 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 Right. I'm going to count to I'm gonna count to four, and we'll clap on one as if we're drummers. One, two, three, four, et cetera. Okay? So okay. as if I'm counting music, I'll count to four. We'll clap on one. Ready? One, two, three, four, two, good. That should give you what you need. Brian, you should put that in the outro. Man, I was hoping that you would be worse at that, but that was pretty good. Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church gear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works.